Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Actually had some uh, nice jams over the weekend out at Kualua Beach Park again. Perfect wind. Well, that leads me to a question I want to ask you if you are working on anything new these days. Hmm. I'm working on new... I'm working on like uh, improving my skills at sets and spins and so what i was doing actually this weekend was drilling i do a clock throw pull it under my left leg and then set it across my body and spin to the right and try to do double or triple scarecrow and triple fake and i do a clock and then i'd immediately do a counter right after so just mirror image left throw right leg shoot it across my body spin to the left and i'm starting to get where i can hit doubles both directions pretty consistently but it helps when the wind is good. When there's no wind, I'm still not consistent with the doubles. Wow. <laughs> oh, so you're you're out there doing some drilling. Yeah, totally. It's like we jam a bunch and then at the end I drill for 15 or 20 minutes and then we're done. Wow, that's so interesting because uh, I've kind of stepped away from the drills for the time being because I really haven't played that much. Um, went to Medellin, of course, and jammed my brains out and then went to Mexico for a month and, and didn't play at all and then came home to this COVID situation and didn't play for like another three or so months. So I haven't really jammed at all for four months and then kind of get myself back out there and I'm like having to relearn like how to spin like oh my god like all my spin calluses have been softened and I had to like harden things up again and kind of just get back on the bicycle but a really interesting thing happened during that process as I kind of got back up to speed things started slowing down even more than they have been not playing for a long time really took an edge off and took me a while to get back up to speed but once I got there all of a sudden, I started seeing things like slow motion. It was really weird. I can't even really describe it, but it just all kind of was right there. There was no panic. It was all just sort of flow and seeing things, like I say, in slow motion. So interesting experience being off for so long and then coming back in, having this new new view. Wow, interesting. That slow motion thing is pretty, pretty cool. It sounds pretty intense, but... I've, I've experienced before where I take a break and then go back to the jam and suddenly new ideas start to spark. I kind of, I guess I guess get out of the rut a little bit, but the slowing down thing, I've not experienced that. I, I would really like to. It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. I wouldn't say slow motion. I mean, it just, it's like I'm, I'm being more patient and allowing myself to be patient instead of like attacking. Le I'm letting the options present themselves in a more fuller range, if that makes sense at all. Uh, yeah, it totally makes sense. Okay, that's cool. Well, I'm jealous. Yeah, I can't wait to jam with you again and get to play around with this new slow motion waiting for the options to develop and see what happens we'll play the chariots of fire where they're running in slow motion dun, 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 dun. Okay, all right. 
enough about us. So uh, what, what do we have on the docket today there, Mr. G? Yeah, so we're going to be talking to Crave and Sickle again. Uh, we start off the interview by asking him, what was it like to be playing back in the uh, older days when there was so much new discovery taking place? So let's listen. Yes. Well, yeah, that was a function of being in the right place at the right time, right? It was like, you know, I mean, it was it was very much like somebody discovered the ball, right? It wasn't just happening in freestyle. It was like somebody discovered the ball and and then they said, wow, you, know, you can bounce it, you can kick it, you can throw it, you can hit it with other things and you can throw it in baskets. And so there were all these things. And, and I should interject now. So I did the first show that I did in 1972 in Madison Square Garden, with which we have photographs of, with this guy who was named Roger Fox and I were the young ones, but Circus Linus was there. And so we had a group of us, I think Peter Blurm, Peter Blurm was there. Then that there was sort of two of two groups, and the other group was Stork and Irv Kalb, and and so they were tipping like crazy and doing a lot of. I remember just doing a lot of tipping mostly, <laughs> and and there was tipping going on, as I say, like when I first showed up. So that was one, you know. They, but they also brought Ultimate, you know, like we started playing Ultimate in the Central Park, like really early days. I organized um, Columbia High School was like where Ultimate started. And I think uh, I organized a game between music and art when I was 15, I guess, or 14. And Stuyvesant High School, which I think was the first uh, Ultimate sort of like official, like between two school entities in the New York area, which then became, you know, Bronx Science got into it. And then this whole New York League, which in the New York ultimate scene is, you know, for many years, more recently, way after I left, you know, became sort of the dominant ultimate, you know, scene, uh, team in, in the world, I think. Um, so that was all happening. There's a lot of creative stuff. But with regard to freestyle, I sort of got there um, right after these really seminal things were invented. And then John Anthony uh, from the from Vancouver was at Columbia and he came out and he was a juggler. He and yeah, the the uh, Kitslato Cats and you know, Billy King and Jimmy Brown and then a bunch of the other guys from there were into juggling and there were a bunch of um, there were some really good jugglers up there uh, that were among their their crew and so he sort of brought that innovative perspective to it a little bit, being you know young and and very imaginative in game, I sort of was like right there to be probably the leader in innovating most of what developed into freestyle at that time, where we did the first delay pulls and we did, you know, under the leg and then we tried to do inverted delays and then we started catching it in all these different ways. And so I think that it would, that was sort of the genesis of the um, the explosion of innovation of just what new can you do with this? And of course, we were being derivative and incorporating everything else that anybody brought along, like, you know, uh, Westerfield with the uh, with the, um, the Canadian mind blower, which is what he called the role at that point. And so, you know, we just innovated a ton of stuff. And of course, because of the orientation towards catching and throwing, a lot of it was catch-throw stuff. I'd say a little bit less of it was 
tipping, but I also started to do everything I could with my feet. Like I did, uh, I figured if I can foot, if you can airbrush with your hand, you can foot brush with your foot. <laughs> so I did that. And, um, there was a lot of invention going on. Let's put it that way. And it was extremely exciting because to you guys, I'll appreciate this. There were things that we thought there's no way in the world that's possible. And it would take, you know, whatever, a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month or whatever to, to do it. And then there were periods of time when this, the, the, the interval between imagining something new, thinking it was totally impossible, and then being able to do it was getting really tight. And we were just charging through all of these derivations of all these brushes and delay moves and uh, catches I'd say were the was the main thing that we were we were doing a lot of and then tipping you know Kirkland and Malafronte who um, I met in in 74 I think uh, were when they were doing the Globetrotter tour they had already explored a lot of stuff with tipping on their elbows and you know probably foot and kicking it and Kerry Comar could kick a, a di- he sort of would snap his leg so that it would just like whack and just like basically just a last moment snap of the leg that would make the foot snap up really quick. And we, we used to do that a lot. And it was, that was just like, again, a total mind blower. The disc's coming in. There's no real perception that it's going to, that like, that it's got a relationship to the body. And then he just goes like, wham! And the thing just goes, flies like up really violently it was like it was really cool it's so cool i mean i'm just kind of getting high off of all this sort of talk about where it was and what was happening and that you guys had so many of you too that were quite capable of doing that exploring so i mean you're talking about you grew up in the same neighborhood of joey Docklin and jeff felberbaum like oh my god what was in the water in that neighborhood you had all these other people as well like you say richie smiths and john dwork and the other folks who were around. Did, did you start playing with Jeff Felberbaum before you started playing with Joey Hudoklin or was that a similar timeline? Yeah, well, I played with Jeff probably um, because we were um, in school together and Jeff really wanted to play with me. There was a little thing where where we were at a party, I think I remember, uh, you could ask him his experience of this, but we were at a party and he really wanted to play and out in front of the street. This was in Brooklyn, as I recall. And, you know, I played for a little while and I was like, sort of like, yeah, I'm done. You know, I was, and he, he felt like, like I was dissing him because I wasn't really giving him respect, <laughs> which was probably true because I was definitely, you know, a pretty haughty, like, you know, I felt like I was whatever, I was a little arrogant. Yeah, and so then we, um, you know, so we just started playing. Uh, I think the progression of the people that I played with mostly was, you know, Carrie and then and interspersed with uh, John Anthony. And then, I mean, the time that I played most intensively with Jeff was after we had also been mostly comp- competing and when we started to do uh, more show stuff together. That was, but played, you know, always all along with with all these, you know, with each other. And then I started playing with Kirkland and with Billy King, and we we were a, a good team for quite a while. 
And then uh, I played with Evan David for 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 a whole summer and more. Uh, we I we I went out to Petaluma and we lived together and we played together for a bunch of you know for a bunch of time. After Evan, that was probably when I started playing with Jeff to do shows back in New York during a very interesting time, where there was this sort of resurgence of this new vaudevillian. Um, uh, performance culture in New York City, which was fascinating. There was all these um, MacArthur genius fellows. My father was going out with uh, this lady, Julie Taymor, who is a director. She directed The Lion King on Broadway, which is probably the thing that you would know about the most. And then, but she's done a bunch of movies. But she she's a MacArthur genius fellow, and um, there was a whole group of people: Bill Irwin and Michael Motion and uh, amazing new vaudevillian people that were um, operating during that time that we were sort of related to, with and performing with. Um, and then there was the whole time during which, and I did this, started this with Kerry mostly, but it's, it flowed into doing it with um, with Jeff, uh, where we were doing uh, Roller Disco. Roller Disco, my friend uh, Judy um, Lynn uh, pretty much brought roller skating to the popular world and that we went out to the Brooklyn roller drone where there was like literally four of us white people and nothing but hardcore Brooklyn uh, roller skating disco scene. That was another total mind blower that this stuff was going on. It was like an amazing culture. So there was an overlay with the d- disco and then that transformed into the breakdance world. And we did a bunch of shows with breakdance troops and then there was these new vaudevillian types that are, you should look them up, like Michael Motion and Bill Irwin and um, these other people that were circling around this community that I was connected to with uh, Julie and a bunch of dance troops like the Parsons Dance and MoMA and Isis, Isis, ISO, ISO, uh, Palabolus, those guys, you might have heard of Palabolus. Yeah, so we—that was sort of my progression of who I was partnering with and how what we were doing at those different times. Interesting to hear those other names. So I know that you were exploring other other arts as well as just freestyle and how they were able to incorporate with each other. Jeff was talking about the disc dance stuff that you guys were doing. So do you have any video of that work that you guys were doing? Yes, and in fact, um, I have. Um, fits and starts i've digitized a certain amount of it um and i have some we performed with this group called um musa weir which was a gymnastics dance sort of new vaudevillian group toby towson was the six-time national floor exercise champion in gymnastics and pretty much basically the best floor x guy that ever lived we did shows with them um, and I've got videos of that. And then we did shows at like Roxy, which was the uh, roller disco sort of roller drum center of the universe out here. And we've got videos of some of that and, you know, stuff that we trained th- that we were, you know, just while we were practicing stuff. So I've got a bunch of videos that I would love to post. And, um, my dad also has these, tr- I have boxes of all these photographs of the scene from like the first, the first tournament I went to, which was the Jersey Jam in like 74 and and really early great pictures of different characters when they were young. So I'm trying to get all that stuff scanned and documented so I can put it out there and let everybody check it out. God, that would be awesome. Let us know and we'll publicize it and try to get more people to see it. Yeah. So um, talking about the early days, 
in Central Park. You mentioned a lot of names, but I haven't heard you mention Joey Hudaklin a lot. So I'm just I'm just curious, what was your relationship like with him? So Joey um, came along with Richie around the time when the um, the professional disc series or whatever, when they started to the, the first 119, 141, 165. Graham ones were the Pepsi Co World, I guess it was the 74 or 75 World Championships. Anyway, they emerged when we started using the lid. And I think that they named it the lid. I'm pretty sure. And they were really into delaying. And Richie and, you know, both of them. But but they, they started, to, their style was very much along this sort of line of they started putting a lot more emphasis on delay moves and sustained delay moves than what we had been doing before that. We were still more, I would say, going along the sort of the Kerry Colmar. I would give him definitely the credit for being the one who focused more on the quick, catchy, kind of fast, dynamic, explosive style. And then I would definitely give Joey and Richie credit uh, for the emphasis on delay moves and um like they did the first time i ever saw anybody um brush it back to a delay between each other instead of throwing it back and forth um and they were and they were you know i think stork had introduced silicone by this time and the discs had you know gotten so that they were delay friendly which all evolved pretty quickly and i'd say that in um it sounds strange at, in in the context of my relationship with Joey now, <laughs> which I completely feel like brother, brother, brother. I'm, I'm trying to describe what my feeling was about it then. I would say that I was biased towards the quick catch thing. And also, I had studied dance a bunch and, um, uh, you know, Jeff, uh, Jeff and I actually went to the Big Apple Circus School for a year and, and, did, and did training in the circus school. <laughs> um, but I think that, the, that even in that moment, this is really interesting because I'm just, I'm just coming up with this now as my impression, was that the emphasis on the delay and slowing the game down and bringing it into this tighter thing. I mean, they completely deserve credit for the current modality of everybody, of people getting closer together. The Kitsilano Cats did this too. They got like the, they called it Micronesia, where they, Billy King did this, did that underhand Z's throw. He, they were the ones who did that and they would get really close and tight because it was also a wind game out there in Vancouver and Kitsilano Beach. So they also had another pocket of that going on. But I, I, anyway, but Joey and Richie were definitely sort of put the emphasis on delay moves and on, I wouldn't say that we were indifferent to technical stuff at all because I think that John, Anthony and I were very much interested in what was cool and technically innovative. But I think that I was a little bit less, um, I, I just wasn't as enamored with that style uh, as I was with like the, the V Brothers, Jens in particular was, you know, I mean, again, Jens and Irwin sort of expressed the two sides of this, right? Jens was like this fast, you know, do these amazing acrobatic kind of cool ass. I mean, he did some stuff 
in those days, there was a, a very seminal uh, freestyle tournament, which was at Octad, and I think it was 76, when the V Brothers and Joey and Richie and then, you know, a, a lot of other people, I think it was Dave and Dave Marini and Doug Correa and, you know, who also did some fast stuff. And I played with John Anthony then. Uh, but I remember Jens not only doing that sort of w- w- windmill kick, the, the windmill catch where he sort of spins, spin wheel, I don't know what you call it. But he wheel. did pinwheel. Yeah. Pinwheel is the right one, right. Um, he also, I don't know if he did this, but there's a move that you may have seen me do where it's a capoeira move where I, I sort of put my hand on the ground behind me and I, and I go over backwards and I catch the disc. And um, that was totally inspired by Jens, who whether he did that move or I just looked like he did that move because he did it with such explosive energy. Ever since I saw him do that move, I wanted to do that move. <laughs> and then I did it. And I think I think I don't think he did actually go over backwards. I think he just did such a limbo move that it looked like. He just defied gravity and he just did it. Trailing edge matrix, you know, it was like the matrix movie and like, exactly. That's a great way to describe it. He did a trailing edge matrix that blew the fucking doors off of the whole place and the pinwheel. And then, and then he did that. He did the throw the over the shoulder bounce throw. So I stole that from him because I just love the, I mean, so I always gravitated to like these sort of like marquee, um, bigger than life kind of moves, right? I always just love that kind of stuff. And so I'd say my relationship with Joey was that they were going in a different direction. And so that was sort of in my, in my feeling there was like, okay, well, they're going in a different direction, but I'm sort of more or- oriented towards this direction. Um, and then obviously over time, Joey just, he just kept on going to new places and just to the next place and just to the next place. And then he moved out to... I think he really went through a big, big jump when he moved out to Santa Barbara and started doing the wind game out there. That was that was like, you know, he took it to a whole other level at that point. And then, of course, you know, having grown up together and having so many reference points and so forth. And, and I think he's just a beautiful soul and, you know, lover his head's at. And he went through a lot of difficult stuff, you know, during there was a time when he was going through a lot of challenges. And so that was sort of hard to connect with them during those years. And my, I was having a hard time connecting with them. But um, yeah, in terms of cross-pollination of influence, I would say that he was going in his own direction and I was going in my own direction. And he continued for a lot longer than I did. And by the time I might've been influenced by him, I was not really doing it that much anymore. Well, it's interesting that Joey has kind of circled back to the flow throw game. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting because um, he has always been extremely gracious and and acknowledged and been very supportive of of that aspect of the style that, uh, you know, Carrie and I, you know, sort of were more centric towards or more focused on. I basically think, you know, he can do anything. You know, he can basically do anything. So. So he's incorporated that and and come around, but you know it was never. Uh, while he can take you know really great credit for being uh, you know the forebearer of this other modality, but he's always been I think very attentive and very appreciative of of the one that he sort of maybe took to the next 
the next phase or whatever. Not that the catch throw game and the short explosive thing can't be can't also be integrated in with all the technical and all the different incorporating all the different uh, skills that exist currently. But I'm recalling a lot of this stuff and talking about it, not having ever articulated it before. So it's pretty interesting. Well, thanks, Cray. We really appreciate you going with the flow with our conversation and articulating on the fly, as it's also really interesting to us as well. You know, one thing that I was thinking, Jake, uh, in the discussion about the catch throw flow versus the individual move and the the manipulation tight to your body. I almost feel like today's mob op game is kind of a hybrid of those two. Just curious what your thoughts are about that. That's funny. I had, uh, I had the same thought actually thinking about, well, you've got these two separate styles as Cray was talking about the divergence of those. How does one bring that together? And that was the first thing that popped into my head was, well, Mabop does kind of bring that together because it's not about just doing your super hard indie moves and being fully under control. There's way more spontaneity and there's way more connection to your partner. So you get that flight of the disc and you get that uh, spontaneous flow happening. So I actually do think that the, that Mabop is is sort of that hybrid. One thing that's like that's different maybe is in most mob ops that I've been a part of that I play in, it's like you just crank the Z's, crank the Z's, and that's how everything starts. And then you just go until, I don't know even in fact how far you go. You go until the right moment, and then you catch it. There's not a lot of quick throws and variety of throws and uh, the flow on that scale. But I, you know, I know jamming in Seattle, but we do do that sometimes, though, where it'll be like... You do a catch and then you just go right into the throw and someone will do another catch and go right back into a throw and then back into the longer combo. So it could be anything you want, I guess. Yeah, well, it's like I say, it's interesting. You know, there are elements of catch and throw and flow and a mob op and there's the elements of the individual. And and uh, it's interesting that you talk about each one of those mob ops kind of begins with a big Z and you kind of go until it fizzles out and then you restart it. And uh, so it's not quite a catch throw flow, mm-hmm. but uh yeah, it has it has elements of it for sure. Yeah. So how do we bring that? I'm just thinking about it. Do we? Well, do we want to bring it back? But let's assume we do. How do we bring back more catch, throw, flow type moves into the game? Well, I'm not sure if it's necessary for us to bring it back. Uh, I think you know it's just another one of those, as Cray says, modalities that is part of our rich uh, texture of the play of freestyle. So like I, said, I don't know if one is better than the other, just kind of whichever one you're drawn to. And, you know, that's really kind of what the essence of freestyle is, is mm. just you know, let your freak flag fly. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I totally agree with that. We each have our own style and our own things that we're interested in. And that's what freestyle is great. We can all be different and in individuals and yet still be a part of the collective. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I just want to give a shout out to everyone out there that we're really grateful for the continued support that you guys give us. It really helps, you know, keep the podcast going and the live streams and all the other initiatives that are happening here. So we are very grateful for your continued support. And on that note, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, shooting the
the Frisbees and live streaming freestyle Frisbee. Oh yeah!